0: I'll be reading from Romans 6, 11 through 15. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your immortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. What then shall we shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace by no means. So there's the question, isn't it? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? And by the way, for for you know, good Protestants like we are and In America, following in the Puritan sort of heritage, we we come to a place where we sort of say, yes, grace is wonderful, but we're going to go out there and earn it just like we do everything else. And to a certain extent, there were people who lived in Paul's world, and what we know is if we can turn all the way back to chapter 3, and we will hear Paul hark on this idea, and there he particularly says, some of you are accusing me of saying this. As if standing and, 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 and as, as Bill said, advocating for and, and being the man who says, Yes, I lived my life under the Mosaic law. I lived my life with this sense that somehow I would make myself righteous by keeping the Sabbath, by fulfilling all the, the, the kosher eating habits, by ha- celebrating all the holidays and by making the 10 commandments the rule by which I live by. Those are the things that made me right. And Paul said, "I have discovered that that is worthless. I have discovered that Jesus Christ is greater than anything that the law could give." Amen. And so there were people who said, "Paul, you're just telling us to all do whatever it is that we want to do." And over and over again, he says, and you pick your translation, by no means. Or you can just say no really loudly. Can you all do that for me this morning? One, two, three? No. Okay, very good. So you hear Paul. And and I don't know how you make letters on the page jump off, but these letters jump off. Because it almost seems that nearly the entirety of the letter is answering this question, which keeps coming up over and over again. started, we first heard it in chapter 3, and in this chapter, the question is repeated twice. You would think that, that we wouldn't have to say it anymore, but, but it's repeated twice. And we are given, while the question is given twice, the answer is given in three different ways. You've already heard one of those answers in last week's sermon. We're going to move forward. Uh, Callan, thank you for your reading, Church Says. Amen. Let's continue in chapter 6. I'm going to pick up... And repeat verse fifteen to catch our key question here, and then move forward. What then should we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Give your answer. One, two, three. You know you can kind of come up with different phrases and things like that. You know I know the Aggies would answer that different maybe than anybody else. They're in that habit. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves? You are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you, having once been slaves to sin, have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. And that you, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness, I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you were once pre- pre- just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater iniquity, so now present your members, your parts, the different things that make you up, as slaves to righteousness for sanctification. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness, so that So what advantage did did you then get from the things of which you are now ashamed? The advantage of those things, the end of those things, is death. But now that you have been freed from sin and enslaved to God, the advantage you get is sanctification. The end is eternal life. Four. The wages of sin is, fill it in for me, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the whole church said amen and amen. So again, continue in sin so grace increases. This is the objection that is thrown out. Paul is presenting his argument and again sort of almost like in a court of law, we haven't seen these questions in a couple of weeks and I'm putting them forward again, this one particularly. Continue in sin so that grace increases and the answer is always by no means. And it responds in three ways. Again, last week's sermon particularly highlighted this. In verses 1 through 14, we cannot continue to sin because we have died to sin. Amen? We have died to sin and been raised to life with Jesus Christ. And this gives us this first indication that we're moving away from something that's just about, can I be good enough? Because the answer to, can I be good enough, is always No. no. Whether you're one of those people who have... Grown up in the church, and again, the Ten Commandments have always been sort of par- part of your life. You memorize them. The, the Beatitudes have been things that you've memorized. Maybe the gifts of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit have been the fruit, excuse me, of the Spirit have been things that you memorized. And, and your mom and dad corralled you and made sure that you tried to do the things that were on the good side and not on the bad side. You didn't go with girls who did the bad thing. You didn't go with boys who did the bad things. You, you were going to live your life. But in reality, that can't be accomplished by your own power. No matter how much we would say that our environment pointed us in that direction, no matter how much we say, I tried real hard, God, God, when we confess in our heart of hearts, we recognize that we cannot complete the idea of righteousness on our own. Amen? And it is here that Paul again shifts the argument from the idea of the wrath of God being revealed in the first four chapters of the book because of activity. Whether Jews under the law or Gentiles in their ignorance or even Gentiles who have accepted the law or Jews who who have become condemning of other people because of their having the law and the ignorance of others. No matter who you are, you messed up. You didn't do it the way completely the way God said to do it, but in these chapters, sin is a different thing. It is an, an insidious monster. It is the combination of of Mordor and the gates of of of, of uh, the Black Gate that you see in the book The Lord of the Rings or the the dark side of the movies that the Star Wars movies are about. It's a combination of all those evil things, and it is a power and a force. Chapter 7, we're going to talk a little bit about the way that force has its impact on our life, because what we're doing is not just trying to be good enough. What we're doing is putting it to death. In the same way a dragon represents a terrible, terrible enemy, the dragon has to be slain for its danger to go away, amen? And and Paul says, in Jesus Christ, we didn't just get good enough for God. Christ put sin to death through the cross and the resurrection. And we get to join with him through the waters of baptism in putting sin to death. Amen? And because we have died to sin and we live for Christ, we can't go on sinning. Because it has been put to death. In verses 15 through 22, he changes the argument, and I just read it again. It's an argument that's difficult for us because slavery—we don't—we don't see slavery, and we don't want to put slavery in any kind of light that might be good. But you need to understand. In 15 through 23, continue in sin, and said no. The key here is that you've offered yourselves as slaves to God. So, offers yourselves as slaves to righteousness. You were. Enforced slavery under sin. It was not necessarily something you chose, but instead, because we broke the relationship with God, we were in chains and and completely in bondage. We had no choice about who we were enslaved to. In Roman culture, you need to understand that there were slaves that came from conquest. If you were fighting an enemy, you could bring the the people who were conquered back as slaves. They were forced in that way. But there were many people who chose to step into slavery. Maybe they had a debt. Something was wrong, and they needed some help that they couldn't provide for themselves, and they could choose someone and offer themselves as a slave to someone. By the way, it was a very risky thing as someone to say, I'll take you on, because you... You then had to provide for them. And to a certain extent, there was even, and again, that last phrase, that last verse that I read, the wages of sin, there were actually wages that slaves would earn. I choose to give my life to you. You are going to provide for me, but there is also a little bit of wage. And eventually, I might be able to buy myself out of my slavery. Or someone else might be able to do that. But the big thing is here, is I was not... My children didn't become slaves, and I wasn't a slave for life. I was slave because I chose to be there. And oftentimes, it was only for a limited amount of time. We offer ourselves. We give ourselves as a free gift. We're not forced by God. Amen? Slave is a Sin is a tyrant. And he will take everyone he defeats as his slave. God says, I offer for you to come into my benevolence and my care and for me to provide for you, for me to give you my wages and the privileges and benefits of being with me. And so, who are we going to choose to serve? And if you've chosen to serve God, have chosen to make yourself slave to righteousness, you can't serve sin anymore. Third, and this is an even more difficult one for us to completely wrap our arms around it is not easy to explain I'm not going to try to read it because it doesn't get any easier by reading it but chapter 7 verses 1 through 6 opens with the idea of marriage and here we particularly enter into the idea of law that when you're married the law binds you to the person you're married to but then when that person dies and again goes back to the first argument something's put to death You're free to marry another person. And the relationship that you engage in is no longer adulterous, but is blessed because something has died. Nobody is trying to tell you to kill somebody so you can be free to join another relationship. Somebody please say, Amen. (laughs) Instead, he's trying to make a point. That yes, you were engaged in a relationship with the law. You gave yourself to it. You told God that you were going to uphold the law. But the law through the cross has been put to death in the sense that the law was the way I made myself righteous. That's been put to death. And now I am able to be married to, to enter into a full relationship with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. Amen? Why can't I keep on sinning? Because sin's been put to death. Because I've become a slave to righteousness and because I want to be married. I want to be in the most intimate relationship possible with Jesus Christ. And the whole church said, do you want to be free? Isn't it interesting how our society talks about freedom? I don't know that we talk about it as much as we used to, but I I can remember from early in my life, there was so much of psychology and philosophy that was built around the idea of of everything wrong in our culture is about puritan kind of values that have been enforced on somebody and if we could really be free. And again, I enjoy rock and roll music. So let's not make any accusations here, but in some ways Woodstock was this statement. We will do whatever we want. We'll do it whenever we want and however we want. We will be free. We will put All of these ideas about monogamy and privacy and chastity away. And what we got was disease. What we got was death. And what we have come to know over years and years. And this, by the way, is one of the reasons they don't talk about it so much. is because the research points to monogamous couples being some of the happy and most fulfilled people there are. People who choose to abide by a set of principles. Do you want to be free? Satan is always selling, just like he did to Jesus right after his baptism. You know, if you'll come be with me, I'll give you this. And if you'll come be with me, won't it look good? Won't you come be with me? You'll really be free. You won't have to worry about the rules. You won't have to worry about hurting other people. You won't have to worry about the fact that what you define love as is about always tearing other people down. You'll be free. Doesn't that sound a little ridiculous? Yes, my life has been submitted to. I have been enslaved by a desire to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. For the majority of my life, I've wanted to know what he sees as the life of loving God wholly and loving my neighbor as much as I can. Is it always easy? The answer is no. Is it always good? The answer is yes. Do you want to be free? The cost of freedom in verses 11 through 13. You need to know that those verses, you need to circle them in your Bible. I didn't tell you earlier to have your Bible open. I hope I didn't have to say that every week. But 11 through 13 is the first time in the book of Romans that Paul says, Do this. He's been explaining a theory for five chapters, nearly six. He's going to have a whole lot more theory in chapters 9, 10, and 11. But in this verse, he says, do this. Maybe we should pay a little attention. What is the cost of freedom? Verses 11 through 13 say three things. First of all, don't let sin have control of the direction of your life. Amen? I want to go somewhere in my life. I really want to make something of myself. Well, do you want to make yourself death? Do you want to make yourself brokenness? Do you want to make yourself the source Of hurting other people? When you choose sin, that's the direction you go. I want to choose a different direction, don't you? I want to make the point of my life serving. I want to make the point of my life loving. I want to make the point of my life, the things that I do, to bring about righteousness and justice in any and every way that I possibly can. The direction. Number two, he says, don't let sin have its way in any part of you. Now, I think you know most of the definitions of this, so I'm not going to go into a whole lot of details. You know that there are things that bring more brokenness into your life and spread brokenness to others. Can you all nod your head? You're kind of aware of those things. I don't need to make a list. I want to point this one out particularly. There's a part of you that oftentimes will fail if you're anything like me. And Satan loves our failure. Because he takes our failure and holds it over our heads and said, Look, you didn't really put sin to death. Look, you haven't really made your life a slave to righteousness. You haven't really gotten married to Jesus. And he holds that over us and says, Look, you're no good at this. I'm not going to let Satan have that part. Christ invites us to confess our brokenness. Amen? Amen. The scriptures point us to confess to one another. I am never going to let Satan have that part of me. And I want to do everything I can. When I baptize someone, I will oftentimes have a conversation with them. I'm going to remember what you did today, and I'm going to always be here to remind you. Are you going to mess up? Answer? Is God going to be faithful to his promise? Answer, I'm going to be here to remind you. Finally, give yourselves freely and completely to Jesus. We're going to take the Lord's Supper in just a moment. Do we say, I want to participate in this with Christ? I want to participate in it together with each other. If I'm online, I've got my stuff ready because when we're taking here, and yes, there's a little 10-second delay, forgive us for that, but we take it together, amen? And to a certain extent, it's so beautiful that we pick a day that that way early in the morning when the international dateline, somewhere there, Sunday morning began, and people started participating in the Lord's Supper together and said, we want more of Christ. And we say, yes. I want all of Christ. I want to give myself freely to it. I want to give myself completely to it. And today, I don't know the fullness of how much Christ wants of me. Some of you have been walking this path a lot longer than I have. I'm watching you. Because I want, till the day I take my last breath, to learn a little bit more about what it is to be completely in relationship with Jesus. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. I don't want to be a slave to sin. Does any of you want to be a slave to sin? Direction and parts and relationship. There's a song we're about to sing. It's called Pierce My Ear. I could not find the the, the independent research... But the story around the song, Keith Green's the author, original author of the song, and and I trust him. I don't see him as frivolous in what he writes about in his singing. He passed away a long time ago. Great songwriter. God, I want to be yours, and I don't want to be yours temporarily. I want to be yours forever. A slave in the Roman culture could say to their master, say, you have cared for me in such a way that I don't want to belong to anybody else. I don't even necessarily want to belong to myself for the rest of my life. I want to be yours. And they would go to the the gate of the of the estate and the owner would have a particular kind of awl and he would take it and you would put your ear in the awl and it would strike. Pierce my ear, God, I want to be yours. I want to be yours forever. I want all of me to be yours. I want to be engaged in that relationship in a way that changes me every single day. Anybody interested in coming along? If you want to join in that conversation, you're online. The number is on the screen, 979-217-3300. You're welcome to send us a message to get involved in that conversation. Let's take one little step today. If you stand and sing this song, take one little step. It says, I want to be more yours. I want you to be more mine as we stand and as we sing.